Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're uh, 20-year veteran Wall Street analysts, working analysts, I would point out, uh, that have gone underground, assumed secret identities, changed our voices so that we can bring you our candid, unfiltered opinions about Value Line's weekly stock picks, in this case. Without fear of evil bosses who would try to shut us down. Right, Vern? Right. Uh, Thank you for saying the unsaid. My pleasure. Or something like that. Uh, This week, we're looking at stocks from the August 17th issue and would remind everybody that uh, we do this for entertainment purposes only. Uh, We might know absolutely nothing about what we're talking about. That's our goal. We might might own all of the stocks that we're recommending. Uh, There's all kinds of uh, caveats and uh, dangerous things you should be aware of. Well, I try to own them. I usually talk about things. Go to our website to read all about this uh, and more about us at www.thevalueguys.com. Um, this week is a very interesting uh, week in Value Line. They have, uh, I guess, consumer discretionary, right? Recreation, yeah. entertainment, hotel gaming. Yeah. They have some publishing, newspapers, Dow Jones. I bet uh, you're going to talk about I like that, that area. sector. Yeah. You usually do. Uh, they also have oil field services and diversified chemicals, so a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to come back in the second half of the show and uh, talk about some recreation stocks that are uh, – you know, that have sold off on concerns about uh, consumer spending related to uh, the problems in the housing sector, despite accelerating wage growth, by the way. Uh, hmm. But uh, first, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, – uh, to the uh, – to the He hasn't prepared. Sweet-talking stock picker. Oh, Values. Man. That's a stretch. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, thanks Mom. Um, anyway, this week <laughs> – it's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks for value guys. Either. Although if you're buying cash rich companies with franchises, your stocks are going down, but they're not going down as much as other people's stocks. And then those guys they get mad at their advisors, and you have a chance to win new clients. So it's a good period if you're a value guy. Uh, if you're on the sell side, you know, ouch, you're just making a lot of calls, apologizing for uh, you know recommendations that have gone bad. So, uh, but this will pass. There's some great opportunity. Fear breeds opportunity. I noticed the 10-year Treasury is under 5%. That's got to be good for uh, investment. You know, wealth is still record levels, employment record levels. Things are are better than they uh, once were. There used to be caves everywhere and people living in trees. So the economy's strong. Uh, the Internet's bringing productivity growth. And actually, some of my names this, this week, you know, uh, are involving the Internet and the productivity coming from that. I'm going to start. I just go in order. They page are? number. Well, just stay tuned. Okay. Listen to the show okay. later and here. Okay, so so start, I go back to sleep. Yeah, just okay. whatever you're doing there. Uh, cover. I'm covering my eyes. Westwood One, page 1874. Uh, I've talked about this before, and I just want to say it hasn't been working whatsoever. Okay, the stock's just made a new low. In fact, if you go back over the history of Value Line here, it's it's never been lower. So if I've ever recommended it in the past, and I have, that's not been working. But let me say this. Uh, these guys have something that's rare in a world of a billion channels. They have something that's important and valuable and unique. It's called content. And while everybody's, you know, concerned that there's not going to be radio, which is where their, you know, business is right now, terrestrial radio that you get for free over your, you know, mostly your car. They do traffic and various things. Um, and they're involved in the CBS uh, network, which is underperforming and having its own issues. So, the theme on this is there's a lot of radio turmoil, and that scares investors.
but content is king. They have a lot of content, and they're trying to figure out how to organize it and bring it to people in terms of MP3. Instead of listening to us right now, you could be hearing the traffic report in your town, and probably a lot of you will after you're done with the show go, why did we even do that? You'll be tuning into Westwood One. They're just getting organized, and they're figuring this out. At 70 cents per share in gross cash flow, the stock's at 443 right now. I can't help but notice their cap spending is a nickel a share. <laughs> so their growth... So it's basically six yeah, times yeah, 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 yeah. net ti- free cash yeah. flow. Net free cash flow. They have content. They're figuring out how to sell it in an internet MP3, FM, you know, XM radio world. Their operating margins are 20%. They've got something going on, and they're making good money. Um, I think they're bad assets of historical investment in radio are masking a very high incremental ROI on new business in the internet. Um, they're, you know, they're moving, they're moving this way. And, uh, I think next year you're going to have some natural benefits in terms of political advertising, uh, year over year, better comparisons in automotive, which are the biggest terrestrial radio advertisers. There's a lot of near term weakness, that's harming them, and that's coupled with a fear of no one ever listening to radio. I don't think that's true. These guys have a lot of content. They're figuring out how to organize it and sell it. It's four, whatever I just said, seven times net cash flow. That's a 14% return. Uh, cash on cash. Value line says cash flow is going to grow 4%. I think that's low. They're going to get a market share in the demand for content once they figure out how to get onto the other. You know, why aren't you getting your traffic on Google, on YouTube, on who knows where? They're going to be involved, and they're figuring that out right now. So Westwood One, ticker W-O-N, 14 times earnings, uh, page 1874. Okay. Now, some old favorites. The newspaper industry, I have a very similar thesis here. My thesis on these is people like news. Now, not necessarily newspapers, and the newspaper stocks have been doing horribly. I'm Two looking, incredible franchises have been sold. Well, you know, they, they have, uh, and they're going out at decent, decent multiples. Uh, you're talking about Tribune, of course, and uh, McClatchkey. Uh, or what else are you talking about? Dow Jones. Dow Jones. Well, absolutely. Dow Jones is a monopoly. Thank you. On, um, but there are some transactions happening and people that want to turn these assets So is into, New York Times. Well, you know, I've been recommending. Here's what I want to say. And I'm sorry about my voice this week. I've been talking a lot, so it's, I'm a little under the weather here. Uh, but, you know, I've been talking a lot over the last year or so, or longer, who knows, about New York Times. I love... New York Times, global franchise, uh, king of, uh, you know, U.S. culture, political advertising, credibility. You know, in a world of brands, they compete very well against other world brands, and certainly they beat the Kansas City Gazette, et cetera. Um, but I'll say something here. I'm going to make a monumental uh, statement here. Monumental? Yeah, monumental statement Can we here. have a moment of silence, no, please? No, don't need that at all. I'm going to switch my allegiances We've done a lot of work in the shop lately on this area. In fact, we've put a lot of money into this area recently. I know I look at some value guys. They've been in this too long, and you could, you could have lost a lot of money. Look at these things. Uh, New York Times peaked in 2002 at $50. It's now, you know, 22 Gannett, these are the two I'm talking about. Gannett peaked in, uh, again, 2004 at uh, 80 something 91 now it's at 49 these things have been terrible and they you know had peaked at those same levels 10 years prior so they've done nothing the fear of course is that circulation declines are 
uh, year over year, they're among the worst ever, and they're accelerating. So I don't mean to just walk into a buzzsaw, but we've done a lot of work recently. The reason I'm sort of shifting from New York Times... Have you ever heard the phrase, falling knife? Yes, I have. Hmm. And I've got a lot of scars on my hands, but they're healed with money that I use to pay for plastic Hmm. surgery. Because Hmm. some of these falling knives, if you do your work, you find out they're plastic knives... Hmm. And they don't harm you, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, here's what I think might be happening here. The New York Times, I've, I love the franchise. I've been recommending it. I sort of still am. However, uh, I've had a lot of discussions with management teams recently. And what I've come to appreciate is while newspapers are losing share because circulation's going down, they are not, in some areas, giving up their monopoly of a couple of things. One is news gathering. So the companies that know they're not newspaper companies, they're news companies, and they can deliver it wherever people want it, uh, they're investing in technologies that can help them. Um, and Gannett is one of those. They also have, in Gannett's case, they have, uh, where's the number here? I'm looking at Value Line. Uh, 85 U.S. dailies. So they're diversified across the economy in terms of local monopolies on news gathering and something even more important, uh, you know, revenue gathering, ad teams, sales teams that go out and know where the advertising is. But like Gannett Wire Services is still an organization out there? I don't know. Oh. I don't care about yeah, that. Okay. They have 7.2 million uh, circ a day. That's in, you know, 85 different daily papers. And uh, it looks now, like... Now, why did you like them better than Washington Post if you're looking for proprietary content and franchise? I don't know. Well, Washington Post is not as cheap. Is it a lot cheap. more expensive? Washington Post is more about the Washington Post. Gannett is uh, 14% of their revenues are USA Today. Oh, and yeah. so they're diversified further around America. And I think I've come to believe that it's the local newspaper that has an edge. They beat local TV in terms of the ability to generate content. And uh, and therefore, uh, they're going to always have a reader base that's looking for the real news. They have writers uh, and they deliver they deliver that. And they also tend to have sales forces that can go out and get advertising. The thing that's convinced me of this is Yahoo and Google, when they go into these small towns to capture advertising, they're pairing up with the local uh, newspaper sales team and sharing revenues. So they must they have something. The market hasn't figured this out. If you look at the small print, uh, Internet advertising this last year for Gannett was up 17%. I don't see the number here, but it's probably on the order of uh, 15% of sales now, which is not so high. But if you look at it in terms of percentage of EBIT, Internet revenues, which just fall to the EBIT line, are in some instances approaching 30 40% of EBIT. Uh, the whole Internet advertising space took about six or seven ad price increases this last year as people figure out the value. And I think these newspaper stocks, in the case of Gannett, uh, cash flow per share next year six thirty a share. This is in a horrible, supposedly in- horrible environment. They're earning twenty eight percent operating margins. They have a twelve percent return on equity, and they're selling at you know eight times gross cash flow. Capex is eighty five cents. They're selling. I'll just do the quick math. At you know eleven twelve times free cash flow. They've got monopolies in the local markets in news gathering, and they know they're a news company, not a newspaper company. How about this, ladies and gentlemen? The newspapers are all, you know, getting some traction with their websites. They're hiring more attractive people 
and they're just reading the news on their own websites. This is attracting people from television in the future. When you can buy a cable at the Apple store, hook it up to your computer, hook it up to your TV, why do you need Channel 5, uh, people who don't have reporters, when you can go right to the original content creators, see their attractive people reading the news? And I think that's the future. These guys have the edge. Gannett, GCI. Rated three by Value Line. It's all you know. New York Times is rated three. I'm just I'm switching to Gannett. Vern, come on, jump in. I'm switching. I've been a New York Times. I love New York Times, but I think Gannett has a stronger franchise in their local uh, papers and uh, local ad revenue generating capability. What? How much time do we have? Am I? What's going on? Oh, you're at. Uh Get about three and a half. Three minutes. minutes. Monster World, MNST, page 1921. I'm really a fan of the uh, productivity, improving characteristics of the Internet, how, you know, your customers are doing their own work, etc. Monster World has created the largest uh, career destination and also the largest yellow page advertising agency all online. They're creating proprietary databases creating, you know, monopoly pricing around these uh, uh, niche databases. They've really hurt the stock recently from some restructuring announcements. They bought an international business. They're taking some cost cuts right now. That's hitting earnings, hitting cash flow, scaring the stock, uh, spooking the market a little bit. And they're talking about reinvesting money into programs and, in, you know, computer systems and such, and that seems to be spooking the market. The stock hit 54 uh, not that long ago, it's at 34 today. Cash flow per share 310, stock at 34, capex 70 cents. They do 25% operating margins. That's proprietary. They're selling at 15 times free cash flow. They've got 15% return on capital, no debt, so they can weather any storm. Six bucks a share in cash. Uh, six bucks, no no debt. And Value Line itself is predicting 19% cash flow growth, 16% earnings growth. Stock is uh, looks like a premium on PE. They've got a lot of amortization from this acquisition, but on a gross cash flow basis, it's just about 11 times. I think that's a pretty good deal. They've created some synergies and economies of scale, not unlike eBay uh, in terms of a, you know a job seekers attracting job uh, providers, and it sort of feeds on itself. And they've got an international unit right now that's growing very fast. So I'm out of time. Uh, values, Monster World, MNST. Not, Am I not? Oh, let me slow down then. Let me let me get in here a little bit more. Oh, you have like a minute uh, and a half. <clears throat> okay. Well, relax. I'm just I'm just getting tense. Because I thought I was running out of time. Uh, okay, Monster World, listen. What's near, the ticker symbol? I already gave that, Vern. Oh. Listen to the show. Near-term disappointments was, are breeding opportunity. That's my call here. The long-term trend of Monster World increasingly gaining share of job placements, jobs lasting a shorter time, accelerating the need for this sort of service. Uh, their margins are high. tells you it's proprietary. And uh, it's trading, I think, in terms of a cash flow multiple at a discount to some of its peers. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, they have a franchise that's worth more than 11 times gross cash flow, in my opinion. A lot of cash, good growth. What else can I say? Uh, I don't know the people here, and I don't own this one. I should disclose, I, uh, I, I don't own Gannett. I own a smaller one. But Anything I, interesting in the ownership of Monster World? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I didn't notice that. No, officers and directors own 12%, and that's pretty good. But no, no big shareholders here. The market cap is uh, $4 billion, so it's certainly big enough to own. But anyway, 
That's all I have this yeah, week. So somebody for, could decide they need to own it strategically as well. They certainly with the could. stock. Uh, but uh, you cheaper, know, these guys have a basis. lot of cash. They don't need any cash. They're doing fine, and uh, it seems like they're probably going to try to stay okay, independent. Okay, my turn now. Okay. Anyway, beverage okay, break. Beverage, beverage break. break. Absolutely. I'm falling asleep here, Vern. You are? I hope you can pick up the pace of the I show. I didn't think it was well. I'm putting myself asleep. I hope you have some listeners left here. Well, how much time do we have? Oh, I've got about five minutes. Okay, get going then. But I don't. I don't need quite as much time to extemporize about. Um, extemporize. Is that a word? No, I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> it sounds very uh, debatable to me. Okay. Well, the show's slowing down. You better get going. Sorry. Uh, I, I I found value in uh, in the uh, consumer uh, discretionary recreation industry value line calls. Did it. you know all all of these stocks come from there? Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, and and they're all down. And as I said earlier in the at the outset of the show, because everybody thinks that because housing prices are down, nobody's going to have any money to or want to spend any money on something like a boat. And I'm guessing that where most of the money is earned in the boat industry is probably not terribly sensitive to the amount of dislocation that we've experienced so far, particularly in terms of pricing of homes. I mean, with averages Well, the down, demographics are very powerful here. If you want a boat, you know, the high end's going to buy a boat. And so Brunswick is, it says, one of the largest U.S. makers of leisure and recreational products, but I, I think they may be... The biggest boat builder. I'm not sure about that, but they have a huge business making uh, Mercury engines as sea well. Sea Ray. They have a couple brands that are pretty sea good. Sea Ray, Bayliner, Boston Whaler, it says here. Uh, they also have the Brunswick Bowling and Billiards franchise, and they have some uh, retail uh, stores. I don't know if you've seen them I don't uh, know. that they're using to try and grow that business. And then they have a big uh, exercise and fitness um, segment as well. And, um, you know, for me, the question is, how early am I? The stock recently trading near, uh, what, three-and-a-half-year lows, around 27 bucks, um, has traded near 50 in a couple of the last years. So almost cut in I've half never made money on this. Off it of the peak. often looks interesting, and I never, it never works for me. Um, you know, it's about a 35% premium to book value right now. In 2001, 2002, they had their worst performance. Um, in terms of uh, financials and uh, cash flow per share, which, of course, we think is a, a primary indicator of business value, uh, bottomed around the 280 uh, share level. And that meant that, uh, you know, um, uh, multiples bottomed at something like, uh, you know, 10 times. Um, no, I'm sorry, 10 times at peak, more like uh, a bottom at five to six times. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm I'm looking at... Maybe 10 to 20% downside from where we are here, but 100% upside. So I like the risk reward. And I wonder if I have any opportunity uh, to see that anytime soon. And, you know, they've got lackluster retail demand, according to uh, Value Line. They've decided to reduce production for the 2008 model year to take inventory down. That means pressure on earnings and cash flow in the short term. Gross margin uh, declines. Earnings are forecast to be down almost 50%. In 07 from 06, which was down itself about 25% from peak number in 05. So we're at about a third of recent peak earnings power. <laughs> Value Line's talking about only a tiny premium to that uh, five to seven years later in their long term uh, their long term projection. That seem, doesn't seem to give them a whole lot of credit. 
Um, they had to get hurt a little bit from gas prices, and that must have put some people yeah, off and, and buying and, a boat. And right? so right now, gross cash flow is running a margin against sales is running around 5%. In recent years, been more like 7 to 8. Value Line has it only improving to about 5.5% next year. If you take the same nine times multiple that you have on 07 and apply it to next year, i got a $31 stock. I'm up 12%, and I've got nothing except – you know, this crummy valuation maintained on an improving cash flow per share number. If that number turned out to be 7%, they got a quick snapback because of the phenomenon of reducing inventory this year, putting particular downward pressure on earnings and cash flow. You'd be talking about cash flow per share closer to 450 and a multiple more like six times. So um, with, with you know, at selling at a price that's less time less than five times the long-term earnings power that value line's talking about at 350 which i'm saying looks pretty modest compared to 3 and a quarter reported in 2005 yeah true on what value line thinks is going to be at least a 25% larger revenue base um, i'm not quite sure why you know they wouldn't do well in an economy where we have a huge aging population that particularly has uh, discretionary money to spend and um, can um, you well, know, margins. generally, even if they're obese and unable to get around, enjoy time on a boat where you spend most of your time the sitting. Margins are going all. down, and probably raw material prices are going up. Yeah, so there may be there may it's be. We, stock, I could be a little right? bit early here, but uh, it's been nothing but a loser for two and a half years. So you're trying to tell me that the pressure on the housing sector and home prices isn't in the stock at this point? So Brunswick, BC, check it out. Recently uh, lowered to a five rating by Value Line, so you know as usual Perfect. we like to look among the dreck. The dreck. Uh, my second name is uh, also plays to the theme of uh, uh, you know you're going to obviously you're going to continue to spend discretionary money on entertaining yourself, and in terms of uh, um, currency dynamics in the last what a couple of years the dollar's lost a huge proportion of its value relative to particularly the euro and the pound sterling. So for Americans that are interested in traveling, here we are in a pretty good business cycle, household earnings up a lot, people have more discretionary income to spend. Do they want to go to Europe? You know, okay, but it, it costs a third more, you know, maybe 50% more than it would have two or three years ago. Um, I, I like Cedar Fair. Symbol F-U-N. I'm sure they're gaining share over fr- Now, this is a master France. limited partnership that basically runs itself for cash and then pays out most of that as a dividend. But they acquired Paramount Parks in uh, 2006, about a year ago this time. So they've dramatically increased the scale of the business. There's been a lot of pressure on cash flow and earnings short term because of the leverage, uh, 85% debt to cap here, okay? But yielding right Ooh. now 6.8%. On a stock price under 20 or a unit price under $28, that number's less than seven times the 08 rebounding cash flow number the value line's talking about. Some of that would just come from deleveraging with free cash flow. Um, meanwhile, I've got a stock that in um, really, you know, for the last five to six years has traded in a range between 25 and somewhere between 30 and 35, and it kind of oscillates between there, and it's down near the lower end of that. At a time when, because of the acquisition of Paramount in the last year, they have an opportunity to eventually bust out to the top side of that. Improve margins. There's also, I guess, despite what looks like a reasonable valuation here, um, Value Line says rumors the company be taken private. Well, unless it's a take under, that's not bad news. So 
Um, the yield looks great. Cedar Fair, F-U-N, um, take a look at it. Yeah, it, the, the yield is what gets me. I mean, we're in a low interest rate environment. This is 7%, for God's sakes. Um, okay, and then Best that brings roller me to – coaster um, park in the world. And, and then to playing to the same theme, right? How am I doing on time? Playing to the same theme, I went looking in the cruise ship area because I think of this as a particularly good travel value as measured in U.S. dollars. So you're going to pay for your – Tickets and dollars. If you're buying the product in euros, it's on sale, and so your the demand would be up from uh, economically booming Europe, if you will. Uh, but it's also a good value for for U.S. citizens, where uh, they're not getting penalized by depreciating currency. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, volume trends uh, have been okay. Uh, pricing has been a little bit of an issue because fuel costs are up a lot. The thing I've Naturally, always questioned on this area, yeah. I just want is, you know, there's hotels that are hotel companies that have pretty good niches and good locations. These guys, they don't have location. You know, uh, you pull out of port, the next guy pulls into port. It's hard to get an edge. No, but don't what, you like, think? what people like is they they have an opportunity to visit places where they have questions about whether they'd be able to find suitable lodging, mm-hmm. and they're staying in a luxury resort with daily access to anything that they might like to see on this, you know, circuit, wherever they might. It's Alaska, it's the Caribbean, wherever it might be, mm-hmm. Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, Carnival, CCL, is the largest cruise company in the world with 12 brands, at, according to Value Line, 82 ships, uh, tour companies in Alaska and the Canadian Yukon. Um, looks like sales up nicely, cash flow. Uh, this year, earnings per share only slightly because of the pressure of fuel costs. I like the demographics here um, a lot. I, I will say that. You know, I, I, when I initially looked at it, Value Line's got it rated four. The stock at forty-five is down from fifty-two to fifty-nine highs over the last four years. So uh, about twenty-five percent off of its all-time high, um, uh, fifty-nine. Um, about a fifteen percent discount to the market. Uh, 3.1% yield is what really caught my attention. So I'm thinking, wow, I get some yield here. Do I have to pay up? How much do I have to pay up? Well, it's 10 times gross cash flow. Enterprise value is about $45 billion. There's less than $4 billion of EBITDA, so more like 12 times enterprise value. Got some nice growth rates. Uh, value line's looking for 11% earnings in cash flow, um, 14.5% dividends. Well, that's part of the reason to own it. Yeah, you know, I went on a cruise once. My parents took me yeah. like 25, 30 years ago, a long time ago. And I was talking to these Royal Caribbean guys recently, and I said, you know, what happens to your old ships? And they said, well, we've never, you know, taken one out of commission. They just move on to lesser and lesser attractive ec- economies. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's the oldest one? What's the one I'm on? I was on, and it's now like in uh, Chile or somewhere going between islands and no one ever heard of or something. Most of the capacity they're adding is apparently in Europe where they'll pick up the benefit from a strong euro. Capacity growth, I'm going to assume in units or berths maybe, 9% in 08, 5, 6, 7 kind of range over the following three years. So some visible growth, um, you know, financial leverage moderate, a little pricey. Well, is there something that I can I play this and do it cheaper? And I think with, I got a better stock, even though it may not be the better company. Royal Caribbean Cruise symbol RCL instead of CCL. This one more like a twenty-five percent discount to market. Yields only one and a half percent, but they have uh, and they have a little more financial leverage. But instead of twelve times EV uh, and EBITDA, I'm at ten times. 
Instead of 10 times gross cash flow, I'm under eight times. So I got valuation protection here. Their capacity growth, uh, similar kind of 9.5% next year, but then uh, 6 to 12% over the following three years. They're going to grow faster with a lower PE. They've got a little more financial leverage, so I can leverage my uh, more attractive top-line growth into stronger relative earnings growth, and it's selling for a lower P.E. I don't see how I can go wrong here. So RCL over CCL, uh, let's, we may be a little early, but, uh, you know, the market's been early. They're going to be looking for uh, the consumer rebound. This is a way to play it. Um, I'm going to say my favorite idea is uh, favorite idea is Brunswick because I know I'll absolutely be right there. Oh, my favorite idea this week, uh, Gannett, GCI, this is Val Hughes. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye.